You're listening to the Living Word Church podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our youth pastor, Joey Lucci. We are in part two of our worship service. And in this series, we've said that worship is so much more than what happens in this room. But in this series, Doug wants us to focus on corporate worship. And corporate worship is an act of adoration and gratitude of the people of God towards our Savior. It's, it's a celebration for all that he's done for us and all that he will do. And uh, we, Doug just wants to see us go deeper as a church in our worship. So I hope to be able to share a little bit about what I know about worship. There are some things about worship that I think make us a little bit uncomfortable, especially if you're new to church. We don't always understand why people raise their hands. Um, I remember being a kid thinking it would be so funny if, when someone was deep in worship with their hands in there, if I just ran up to them and gave them a high five, right? <laughs> <laughs> or this is probably one of the things that makes me the most un uncomfortable, right? You're late to church, and you have to try and squeeze into an aisle, and the person at the end is deep in worship, like, like this, and you, like, try and, like, wiggle your way past them into the aisle without disrupting their worship. Um, this also, I thought about this. Um, what if someone was worshiping just really passionately, deeply, with their eyes closed and their hands out, and I just, like, put something in their hands, right? That'd be so funny. I'd be like, Lord, did you put this here? What's going on? Is this a sign? But the reason why we lift our hands in worship is because the psalmist and throughout the Bible, they talk about raising our hands in worship. And in Psalm 63, 4, it says, So I will bless you as, as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I think men, not all of you guys, but, but some men, definitely struggle with worship. I know that I do sometimes. And if I say anything that's tough this morning, I want you to know that I'm preaching to myself the loudest this morning. Um, but sometimes I think men, we struggle with it because we feel like we need to be tough, we need to be strong, we, we need to let the women worship. But we just want to stand here and just look mad, right? right? We just want to stand here and just look like firm, we're tough. And uh, yeah, it's funny, like everyone, like after service, Andrew thinks that everyone wants to fight him, right? Like every guy in the room, right? Like, well, why do guys feel like we need to act that way? And the opposite is true when our sports team is playing. Or we're watching that fight, we'll go crazy, we'll throw our hands in the air, we'll be, get excited about what's going on. And we need to act the same way about worship because your children are watching you and they're looking to their father to lead. And so men, it's time for all of us, and I know I feel this way so often, do not let that hold you back from truly engaging in worship. And I want to talk about two aspects of worship today. The first one is this, what holds us back from worship? So often, our emotions and our circumstances stop us from diving deep into corporate worship. Maybe you just had the worst week ever, where it seems like everything went wrong. And then you're at church, and you just don't feel it, right? You're just like, nah, not, not this week. I'm not going to raise my hands. I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to sit here and kind of get through this. Or maybe on your way to church, you got into a fight with your family, and now you just feel so angry inside, and there's no way that you feel like you could possibly engage in worship. Or maybe some of you guys made some really bad decisions this week, and you, and you just feel like, oh, I can't worship. God knows what I did this week. I'm just going to sit here and just maybe tell him how sorry I am and not truly engage in worship. And, and that's a problem, guys, because really, who is our God? Is it our emotions or is it Jesus? We can't let our circumstances and our feelings hold us back from diving deep into worship. I want to tell you something that I've had to learn over the years and I've had to teach myself. Even when it just comes to speaking, then I'll apply it to our worship. But there are times, I speak almost every Friday night, but there are times 
when I don't feel like coming out on stage and speaking. There are times where I just feel far from God or I, I just feel like I just had the worst week and I just feel like I don't have anything to offer. But I've had to tell myself, I'm going to let my emotions catch up to my actions. I'm going to go out there and preach you know, even if I don't feel it. Because there's probably someone sitting in a row somewhere that has just had the hardest week of their life. And I'm not going to let my feelings hold that person back from getting a little bit of hope. And so the same is true about our worship. Just because you don't feel it, just because your circumstances are different, now all of a sudden God isn't worthy of your praise. The same God who got on a cross and died for you, who is working all things out in your life, suddenly he doesn't deserve to be worshipped because you don't feel like it. And I'm right there with you. I feel that sometimes, but that is something that we need to get past. We cannot let our emotions control us and our circumstances control us. And we're going to look at that in our scripture in just a little bit. Secondly, the power of worship. Worship is so incredibly powerful, but some of us are not sure how to use it. And I want to teach you this morning and show you a little bit how true worship is supposed to look. And Pastor did a great job last week talking about the heart of worship and getting back to that. And that is so incredibly important. But worship is so powerful. I love power tools. I have almost every tool you could imagine, right? But because I'm a man, I never look at the instructions before I use the power tools, right? And so recently, I got a new chainsaw. And I didn't realize that it ran on gas and oil, not just pure gas. And so I was using it and it kept stalling and I couldn't figure out why it kept stalling. It's because it was running on the wrong thing. And so many of us were missing the heart of worship. And if we would really run it on what it's supposed to be run on, we would see God do so many powerful things. And we're going to look at scripture this morning that puts the power of worship on full display. Like you cannot deny what worship did in this story. And I want you to grasp that it could be the same for you in your life. Because here's the truth. We all need breakthrough for things in our lives. We're currently all going through really difficult things. So for some of you guys, someone doesn't even know what you are going through. You're carrying it all by yourself. Maybe you're going through a really difficult relationship issue. Maybe there's a financial issue in your life. Maybe it's a sin struggle. I want to tell you that pure, true worship could be the thing that leads you to breakthrough. If we focus on God and make it all about him. And Pastor Bavone mentioned the story that we're going to be talking about last week with Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. But we're going to go a little bit deeper and just kind of break it all down for you because this story is so incredibly powerful. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Up to this point, Paul and Silas had kept a low profile in Philippi. They were going around to these prayer meetings, talking about Jesus and praying with people, growing the church in Philippi. There is some disagreement among scholars why this girl was saying what she was saying. Because everything that she was saying was truth. She was saying that these are followers of the one true God and they're telling you the way 
that they would be saved. Well, why would they do that? And so that's why there's some disagreement. Some believed that she was doing this to gain more um, confidence in the people in Philippi so that they would see that she was telling the truth. See, the spirit can be crafty sometimes. And so that more people would come and listen and, and pay for her service of fortune telling. And then others say that maybe what she was doing was try to draw attention to Paul and Silas, to try and drive them out. If she could get the officials um, mad enough about what they were doing, maybe she could draw a lot of attention to it, maybe it would get them out so the word wouldn't spread. And Paul, I love what Paul says. I love how scripture says it. He became annoyed, right? Have your kids ever asked you for something over and over and over again and finally like, just have it? Like it almost feels like that for a second right here. But as I looked a little bit deeper at annoyed, the word that really should be is, is grieved. His spirit was grieved inside of him by the brokenness of this girl and, and all that was happening in Philippi. So he turns to her. And he releases her. And it just shows how much greater the power of God is than any bit of darkness in this world. And he sets the girl free in just a moment. Let's go to verse 19. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they were severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. How many of you know that when God begins to set things free, the enemy attacks just a little bit harder? I would say that Paul and Silas are having a pretty bad day. Here they are on their way to a prayer meeting, and now suddenly they are severely beaten and thrown into prison. Some scholars believe that they would have normally just been released after the beating, but the magistrates and the rulers had different plans for Paul and Silas. They wanted them to be executed. They wanted to put this to an end once and for all. And so they put them in the inner prison. This is the darkest, this is the worst spot in all the prison that you could be. This is for the worst of the worst. Suddenly, their circumstances are completely turned upside down. Their emotions probably are running crazy inside of them. And I don't want you to take this lightly. It's so easy sometimes just to gloss over scripture and just see it as a story. But I really want you to feel what they are going through today. They are beaten publicly in front of people. And now here they are, with maybe a, a death sentence to them, stuck in this prison with chains all around them. This is an incredibly heavy situation that they are in and facing right now. This is difficult. We look at the situation and say, man, followers of God should not be in a situation like this. Why did God let them get to this place. If God really loved them, how could he, he allow all of this to happen to them? But Paul and Silas truly see God the way that he is meant to be seen, and they get it. Let's go to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Whoa, we need, we need to slow down a second. These guys who are just beaten, these guys who maybe facing a death penalty, the death uh, penalty, are suddenly praising and worshiping 
in the middle of their prison cell, the last thing that I want to do when something goes wrong in my life that's way smaller than what Paul and Silas are going through is worship. I want to be angry. I want to be upset. I want to complain. But Paul and Silas begin to worship God. And this is what we need to see. Their emotions have changed. Their circumstances have changed. But their God has not. And they still love him. And they are still for him. And they remember all that he has done for them already. And so nothing was going to stop these men. They were going to worship just the same as they would have as if they were at the prayer meeting, as they were in the jail cell. Nothing was going to change for them. So here they are in the midnight hour, worshiping in the middle of their jail cell. Maybe you and I can't relate to being in a physical prison, but so many of us are in spiritual prisons right now, stuck in a prison of sadness, maybe anxiety, depression. Maybe there's a relationship that you're in right now that feels like a prison. Maybe there's a sin struggle that you are currently stuck in today that just feels like it has you completely stuck. I want to ask you this question for those of you that would say, yeah, yeah, I'm stuck in that, that prison today, Joey. What has your attitude been like in the prison? Do you resemble Paul and Silas? Are you worshiping in the middle of your prison? Or are you complaining? Are you angry? Are you taking it out on everyone around you? We have so much to learn from Paul and Silas. Even though we, we were not there, we're there in spiritual places. And sometimes the spiritual places can be just as hard and can be just as gloomy and dark when you feel all alone and stuck in life. But let's see what happens because of their response. And the other prisoners were listening to them. The world is watching to see how we will respond to difficult situations. They know what we have to say in good times, when, when everything is going great, but when things are difficult, when the, when the odds are against us, that's when they're really watching close to see how we will respond. And nothing tells the world that Jesus is alive than Christians when they worship in the middle of difficult times. It's so incredibly powerful when we do that. And there is just no doubt in my mind that these prisoners were mocking Paul and Silas. As they hear these praises from the innermost part of the prison, they have to think to themselves, man, these guys are so foolish. Why are they praising their God? He's the reason why they're in this predicament, because they were following him. And they probably hurled insults at them, probably made fun of them. And that probably, you would think it would mess with Paul and Silas. But I love what Matthew Henry has to say about it. I find it so incredibly powerful. Though they knew the prisoners would hear them, yet they sang aloud as though they were not ashamed of their master, nor of his service. I think sometimes what holds you and I back from worship is people. We're so worried what they'll think about us. We're so worried about their opinion about us. Guys, people's opinion does not matter. The Lord's opinion matters so often. So often we think people are looking at us. But the truth is, they're not looking at you at all. They're thinking about themselves. And it's so important that we are not ashamed of the Lord or his service. Do not let people's opinion hold you back from truly worshiping. It didn't hold back Paul and Silas. 
And then verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. This is the power of worship at work. When you truly worship, prison doors break open, chains will come off of your life. And here's what I want you to get, because this is so incredibly important. Maybe the, the most important thing I have to say about this story Paul and Silas didn't worship so God would break them out of prison. They worshiped because they loved God and they knew that he was worthy of it. Paul didn't look at Silas and go, maybe if we really worship tonight, then God will set us free later on. No, they were on their hands and their knees because they loved him so much and they were not going to let an opportunity in their life to slip by when they could worship. And so they fall on their hands and their knees and because they worship from this pure place of loving God, he does the impossible for them. He breaks them free. And that's what happens when you and I worship from the right place. You have to surrender so you can be free. It's like when Jesus said you have to lose your life so you could truly find it. There, we have to let go of everything that we think that we can control. And worship in, in one of its purest forms is surrender. It's saying, God, I can't handle this. I can't trust this. I can't do it. But you're worthy, and I'm going to surrender it all to you, and I'm going to worship. So when you hear that, it doesn't seem like it makes sense. Why would I surrender to be free? I would have to fight to be free. That's not how it works in God's kingdom. You surrender to be free. So many of us need to get our hearts to that place tonight. And when we do that, there is something that moves the heart of God on our behalf. There is something that he will break free in spiritual places for us when we truly enter into that place of worship. So many of you have been trying to break your way out of that prison cell. You've been trying to manipulate situations, trying to talk to the right people, trying to do the right things. Maybe it's time to surrender. Maybe it's time to worship like never before. Because this story gives me a whole lot of hope. Verse 27, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shout, shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. So the prisoner wakes up and he sees this amazing miracle take place. And he is overwhelmed with fear. And he knows that he's going to be held accountable for what has happened here. And so he's going to take his own life. But Paul shouts at him, do not take your life. We are all still here. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. There's no doubt in my mind that this jailer heard Paul and Silas singing in their darkest moment. And something incredible happens to the jailer. He realizes his own brokenness. He sees it right before him. He sees the power of God at work. And he says, I will do anything to be saved. Well, what do I have to do to be saved? He realizes his sin. And this may be a little bit off topic for just a moment, but the thing that drives me to worship is when I remember all that God has done for me, that all that he has forgiven me of in my life, my heart can't 
help but be moved to worship when I remember all of his faithfulness and his goodness, of all that he has set me free, the fact that God has dealt with every sin in my past and that he's already dealt with everything in my future, that everything is covered by the blood of the lamb. How could I not worship? How could I not respond from that heart? We sing a song, and I love the lyric. It's even the worst of my mistakes are miracles in the making. When you hear things like that, you have to let faith stir up in your heart and apply that to your own life. And so this man is on his hands and his knees because he realizes his sin and he knows he needs to be saved. Paul Tripp said this, corporate worship is designed to fill your heart with joy by reminding you again and again, although you fail, your Savior never fails anytime or any way. It's so important that we remember that as we come together, that this is what, about what God has done for us, all of it, and he's still doing stuff on our behalf, and it should move praise in our heart. Let's see what happens to the jailer. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved in your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. You know what that says to me? Is that worship changes atmospheres. Worship changes people that are close to us. It doesn't only just affect you. Your worship moves mountains for those around you too. This man was just a jailer in the cell. And because of Paul and Silas's worship, his life is changed forever and his family's life is changed forever. So many of you are worried about people that are close to you today. You're worried about where they're headed. Maybe they're stuck in some really bad things. Maybe it's your children, and you're worried about their future. Your worship can move things on their behalf. This jailer was not singing. He was just living his life. But because they chose to worship, his life is changed. God will move mountains through your worship. We, don't, we can't even see the full reach and the full grasp of all that our worship is doing. It's moving things in spiritual places when there is a heart that is truly surrendered to God. Worship like this and you will see mountains move. This is something that the Lord has been teaching me so deeply in this last season. There are so many things that I wish that I could change or make different or just wishing on my own that I could change things, right? For so many people that I care about in my own life, and lately the Lord has brought me back to this place over and over. He said, surrender it in worship and prayer. Fight in prayer for it and worship like it's already been done. And that's what I have been doing lately. And those of you guys that are facing so many difficult things today, so many overwhelming things, go to the Lord fight your battle. So many of you feel like your battle is against another person. It is not. We fight against principalities and we fight in spiritual places. And God wants to move mountains on our behalf when we truly worship. I wonder, scripture doesn't say how long they sang for before the prison doors broke open. Maybe that they worshiped for a while before their breakthrough came. And those of you that maybe just feel tired today, maybe you just feel overwhelmed because you have been fighting for so long, and maybe you did have a heart of worship, and you feel like it just didn't get you anywhere, do not give up. Do not give up. Still keep fighting in prayer and going to the Lord. He sees you. 
He sees you. That's why I love that song. His favor is for you and he is fighting for you today. Don't you dare give up because he is with you. Isaiah 61 says this, for the spirit of heaviness put on the garment of praise. Those of you that have just felt overwhelmed lately, maybe you just feel heavy all the time. Maybe you've gone through something really difficult and you've just been walking through life really overwhelmed. Isaiah tells us to put on the spirit of praise. It needs to become a part of you. Where you go, the spirit of praise goes also. And if you want to see that heaviness lifted, you want to see some things start to change in your heart and your life, then you put on that garment of praise and watch what God will do. See, our worship can't have a pause button. We can't decide because things are bad, I'm done worshiping right here. Or because I feel really overwhelmed, I'm going to pause worship for a little bit. Our worship is continual. It needs to keep flowing from our hearts continually. And this is an amazing opportunity that we have as the body of Christ to come together and praise and watch God move mountains as we join in together as one voice. There is so much power in this room. There is power in this room in corporate worship. God will move mountains here if we worship in the right place from the heart of worship. I used to um, play on the worship team a really long time ago. I used to play Wednesday night church service. We had a midweek uh, service on Wednesday nights. And then I used to play Thursday morning for chapel at school. I went to a Christian school and I prayed Friday for youth group and Sunday for church again. So I played worship a lot. And there used to be this song that we would do all the time. It was probably one of the best songs. It was called Blessed Be Your Name. And it's the story of Job. Yeah, some people know. You grew up in church too. Um, it's the song Blessed Be Your Name. And there was one lyric that I, I just always stuck with me. It's that you give and you take away but still I will bless your name. And that needs to be our attitude. Because you know what that is? That's saying I'm not pausing my worship. When things are bad, I'm still going to worship. When things are good, I am still going to worship. It doesn't stop in my life because of my circumstances. My God is still worthy. He's still doing things behind the scenes that I can't see, and I'm going to trust, and I am going to believe. There's an amazing story in Exodus 32, and it's Moses and God tells him the Israelites are going to fight a battle with the Amalekites. And he tells Moses, Moses, I want you to go on top of this hill. And I want you to raise your hands and worship and surrender to me. And Moses does it. And he goes up there and the Israelites are pushing back the enemy. They are defeating the Amalekites when Moses has his hands in the air. But Moses gets tired. He's up there a long time. Just like maybe some of you feel tired today from fighting some of your battles. You feel a little bit overwhelmed. And so his hands come down. And as his hands come down, the Amalekites start to win. And Moses' friends realize what's going on. They, they, they get it. And they come alongside him. And they help him hold up his arms. And then they are able to push the enemy back and have victory that day. Because Moses was able to worship through the battle. And I just wonder if that is a picture of so many of our lives. I wonder if God is saying, if you will worship me through this battle, I will give you the victory. And I get it. It's hard and it's difficult. But that's why we have corporate worship. That's why we meet as the body. So we can come alongside each other and hold each other's arms up in this place. So that we can help each other keep our hands in the air and fight the victory. It's so important that you do not give up 
on worship because it has power to win victories. This is how I fight my battles. Not in willing things on my own, not in trying to do things. I fall on my hands and my knees and I worship before my God. That is how I win my battles in my life. And the same is true for you. It's so important that you do this. And I want you guys to see that it needs to be continual. You do not give up on it at any point. Fathers in the room, your children are looking to you today. Be the rock in the household. Show them what a heart is that is surrendered to God. Teach them these things now. Moms, you too, be that rock in the household that worships, that fights the battles for your children in prayer and worship. God will change things on your behalf. My prayer this whole week is that we would get this, that we would be a church that worships through good and bad. And I promise you, I promise you that things all around us will change. These houses around us, God will start to start moving on their hearts as worship starts flooding this place because it's contagious. It can't just stay in here when we truly surrender I would love to see what God will do in our church as we get this, as we leave our emotions and our circumstances behind us, and we say, God, my heart is yours. Every Sunday I am here, surrendered to you, Jesus, because you are worthy and you deserve it all. Man, this church would blow up if God, if we would do that. God will move on our behalf. Don't let anything hold you back from that kind of worship. And here's what the enemy does. We talked about this a little bit before. Maybe some of you guys did have a really bad week. You made some bad decisions. And so now you feel like you can't worship because of those wrong things in your life. But the opposite is true. The wrong things should drive us back to God. Say, God, I'm so broken. God, here's what I did this week. So now I'm going to surrender all of these things. Instead of letting it keep you from God, run to God with those things. Bring them in worship. Who cares what anyone knows about you or what you did before? It doesn't matter. God just wants you in this moment. He loves you so incredibly much. Surrender it all. Let's be a church that fights in worship and sees God do amazing things. There is so much power in it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for everyone in this room. God, you know the battles that we are fighting today. You know the battles that we are facing. And we surrender them all to you today, God, in worship. I pray that our worship would be contagious. God, I pray that it would be like a sweet aroma to you. God, help us to leave it all behind. Help us to let go of the things that hold us back from truly engaging you in this time, Jesus. God, it is for you, and it will always be about you. That is why we are here, because you are our Savior who has conquered death and risen again. And risen again. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are doing today. I pray, God, that we would... Enter into a new season of worship now. God, I pray that you would just break it loose, that you would birth a heart of worship in us, God, to pursue you with our hearts, to lift up your name above all names, God. There are so many other things that are fighting for our worship today, and I pray that we would see through all of them, God. I pray that we would see our Savior in all of his glory, and we would act like it, that we would never be ashamed to worship. God, help us to enter into that new place. I pray, God, in this next season that battles will be won. I pray that lives will be transformed. I pray, God, that you would do the impossible in our midst. 
We love you, Jesus. We pray this all in your name.